Down bumper music. Uh, we are recording. Okay, thank you. Bring up music bed. All right, 621, time for your history nugget on this Monday morning, brought to you by our friends at the Pioneers of Alaska, men's igloo number something and women's igloo number eight. That's, I got a better. Hey, uh, yeah, in October 1913, the 16th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States was ratified, giving Congress the right to enact an income tax which they promptly did by passing the Revenue Act of 1913, levying a 1% tax on net personal incomes above $3,000, with a 6% surtax on incomes above $500,000. Now, in today's dollars, that would translate to about a 1% tax and a net personal income above $74,000, and a 6% surtax on incomes above $12 million. Now, this income tax was implemented to raise money, to pay for World War One. That sounds simple enough, but here in Fairbanks, things are never that easy. To file tax returns requires the completion of the tax forms supplied by the Treasury Department. Those forms had to be sent to Fairbanks over the ice trail via dog team and horse-drawn sleigh from Valdez. Uh, and then the completed forms along with payment had to be shipped back down the same trail the same way, which took a long time, which meant that during the first year of paying federal income tax, the good residents of our city were faced with a cold-hearted penalty of life in the north. Fairbanks Daily Times, February 11, 1914. Income taxpayers must pay penalty. Owing to the fact that the, the blanks upon which Fairbanks obliged to pay an income tax must make the returns to the collector of internal revenue, Arrived here late, people affected by the new law will be compelled to pay a penalty, according to the statement of a prominent attorney who's familiar with provisions of the Act of Congress and the rules of the Treasury Department. The blank forms upon which the returns must be made to the collector of the internal revenue state specifically that a fine from up to, from $20 to $1,000 will be imposed upon the delinquents who do not have the reports in the hands of the collector at Tacoma before March 1st, 1914. At the uh, time of the, that the corporation tax law became effective, a number of uh, the concerns in Alaska had a similar experience uh, through no fault of their own, but were compelled to pay fines which were never rebated. Note. Fortunately, local attorney John A. Clark appealed to the Tacoma Collector for the Internal Revenue Department requesting an extension of the filing deadline for residents of the Tanana Valley. The uh, Tacoma office granted Fairbanks an extra month to get their tax reports filed and paid. The initial results of the first income tax were quite interesting. This is from the uh, Fairbanks uh, Daily Times, April 4, 1914. Income tax returns number 100. When all the income tax returns had been handed to George Hutchison, deputy collector of the internal revenue, it was found that more than a hundred people admitted receiving more than $3,000 per year, either in salaries or from other sources. Stated, however, that there are others who receive more than $3,000 per year who have failed, uh, failed to report and steps probably will be taken in the near future to force them to pay the tax due to the government. Note, 
1914, Fairbanks had a population of about 2,300 persons, and only 100 of them, or roughly just over 4% of the total population, made more than $3,000 in annual income. Of course, there were some folks who lied or failed to file, but that dismal figure really reflects the severe downturn in the Fairbanks economy after the mines had been depleted using the drift mining method. Fortunately, the Fairbanks economy was saved by the building of the Alaska Railroad and the opening of the Healy Coal Mines, which led to uh, later dredging operations that brought many years of prosperity to the Golden Heart City. This taxing history, Doug, it proudly brought to you by our friends at Men's Igloo Number 4 and Women's Igloo Number 8 of the Pioneers of Alaska.